Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hey, this is Ryan. Hey, this is Chuck. We're in Black Top Mojo, and you're listening to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Hey, everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk. I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in to another episode. Hey, before we get into our guest uh, for today, you know, which is going to be a great time for us, um, you know, I get a lot of emails and a lot of messages from people that are asking about gear and about tone development and, and different things. And I thought it'd be really good just to just to make a statement, if I could, from myself, and that is tone is subjective. It's different for different people. Now, we're all searching for something in that, and that's cool. And we should all, you know, strive to, you know, to to be who we are as players. Sound, you know, like ourselves and, and uh, you know, achieve, you know, the outcome that, that we as individuals, as players, want to achieve. And everything kind of sounds different to different people. I mean... You know, some people go, yeah, that's a really cool sound, but that's not the sound I want. You know, that's not the sound I'm going for. I want hints of that, but I also want this. And so, therefore, you know, you really need to take the time to experiment and to develop uh, a sound. Just like you got to develop, you know, who you are as a player, you know, and how you play, you have to develop when it comes to your sound. And, um, at least, at least I feel, you know, that's the way I, I think about it because that's what I do. I spend time with, you know, different amps and different guitars and different pedals and, you know, trying stuff through effects loops and not through the effects loops and no pedals straight in the amp and, you know, some pedals and no pedals and stacking pedals. And you know what I mean? Uh, some digital stuff, some analog stuff, some solid state stuff, some tube stuff. Just trying all different kinds of things in order to get something that I feel like is me. You know what I mean? That I know that when I play, this feels good to me. This sounds good to me. This feels good to me. And it is me. And so uh, I make the mistake. (laughs) I don't think it's a mistake, but it's costly. (laughs) I make the mistake that if I start searching for something, I like if I'm looking for a delay pedal, Right. Of course, I'm going to do like everybody else does. I'm going to go to the go to guys for uh, reviews like Sean Tubbs and, you know, Pete Thorne and people like that, because those guys give great reviews and uh, product demos and stuff like that. But I'm the kind of guy that if I'm looking for a delay, I'm going to look at several of them. And then what I'm probably going to do is I'm probably going to buy several of them and then I'm going to go from there. And I know uh, a lot of guys don't do that, uh, but I do, you know, and uh, I find out that by doing that, you know, and experimenting with all that, well, I can I can come to the conclusion that I want a lot sooner because sometimes what I'll do is I used to do is I buy a pedal and I go, okay, yeah, this is what I want. And I start working when they go, ah, you know what? I don't really care for this. This isn't exactly what I want. And then I buy something else and I try it and I go through that same process. And so uh, just to give you, for instance, I'm a big fan of the D style uh, tone, which is the Dumble style. Now, when it comes to Dumble, there is no signature one Dumble sound because they're all different. But they have some uh, uh, characteristics that, you know, that cross 
across all the lines, you know, and a lot of great players, you know, from Robin Ford and Larry Carlton to, you know, uh, John Mayer and Stevie Ray Vaughan and a lot of different people have uh, Santana. They've all used the Dumble uh, Lamps. And so when I decided that, you know, I wanted my my sound to be somewhere in that ballpark. doesn't have to be right there. I want it to be somewhere in that ballpark because there's something about the way that that thing bites, the way that it, you know, it, it sustains, the way it buzzes and that. I, there's something about that I really love. And so uh, what I did was is I went out and I bought three or four different D-style pedals. I think the first ones I bought were the Vertex, Steel String, and Ultraphonics. I bought the um, uh, Ethos uh, Overdrive and the Ethos uh, Clean Fusion. I bought the uh, Zen Drive. I ended up buying the Tanabe Dumb Kudo. I bought the Dude. I bought the Royal Blue. You know, there was a bunch of different. I ended up buying, I don't know, like 10 or 12 different D style uh, pedals. One of them was, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember the the company i think it's mojo effects it's got one called just dumbles d-m-b-l-e you know what it's a cheap pedal and i was really surprised how good that pedal sounds nobody ever reviews it you don't ever hear anything about it but it really sounded great but anyway so i went through this process of you know going through and getting the the pedal that uh the pedals that i thought worked best for me the whole the whole point of what I'm trying to say is is that tone is really subjective and you really have to experiment in order to get the sound that you hear in your head or that you feel you need to have and that because there's not a pedal that you can put on your board and automatically go yes now I sound perfect you know same with buying a guitar or an amp you know we might feel that way in the moment but uh you know it takes a little bit. It takes time. Just like you developing yourself as a player when when it comes to being able to pick and, you know, and chord and, you know, and, and play the guitar and work the neck. You know, you have to do the same when it comes to your gear. You have to experiment, you know, experiment with pickups and wiring harnesses and pots and things of that nature. And then experiment with, you know, your amps and the types of tubes and whatever it is in order to get the sound that you want. Uh, and the same goes for pedals and everything else. You know what? It's a beautiful process. I actually love the process of development, sound development like that, almost as equally as I love playing live in front of people in that. And so, so to everybody, you know, that keeps writing me, you know, asking me what's the best clone clone or you know or what's the best uh delay pedal to use and stuff like that it's really subjective i can tell you what i personally like and personally use um in that but it, it really is subjective and what you're trying to do what your outcome is might be completely different than what i'm trying to do so definitely experiment. You know, I found myself experimenting with with preamps and EQs and different things like that, you know, after talking to different guitar techs and different players. And, you know, I just love the process. I really do. I love the process. And it's to the point now where I have five pedal boards. You know, it's I got over 300 pedals. I got five pedal boards. I'm constantly, I don't know how many amps I have. I'm constantly switching stuff out and around 
working on getting uh, the sound and the tone that I want. So, uh, you know, experiment with it. Have fun. You know, that's the beautiful thing about playing guitar. You know, it's it's to be fun. And that don't let it get you down or whatever. You know, if you, you get a dud and you don't like it, well, you know, set it aside and move on. Guess what? You got another one in the collection, right? Just move on. Get the next thing. Try something different in that. And, uh, you know, pay attention to what other people are doing and what other people are using. Doesn't mean it's going to work for you. But it might be a starting off point, you know, it might be a place to to launch from. So just keep in mind, you know, tone is subjective and it takes a little bit of work and experiment because, you know, I'm sure most guys will tell you, you know, they had to work a little bit to get the sound that they have and and that, you know. And then again, I guess I, there may be some people that are extremely lucky and didn't have to go through that. But I enjoy that process personally. So. With all that said, let's move on to my guest today. You know, I, I, I'm from the Chicago area. I've lived outside the city of Chicago on and off my entire life. Um, I cut my teeth playing blues in the city of Chicago in all the different blues clubs, blues, etc., blues on Halstead, Kingston Mines, Buddy Guys, you know, uh, you name it. You know, I, you know, played them all. And I've had the pleasure of sitting in and playing with a ton of blues guys. Buddy Guy, Junior Wells, Lefty Diz. I mean, I could go on and on. Billy Branch, Sugar Blue. I could go on and on. And uh, the city of Chicago when it comes to blues is is amazing. It really is. There's a lot of great musicians in the city of Chicago. And so today, my guest is one of those guys. And I'm talking about Tom Holland. Now, Tom Holland lives in the city of Chicago. He's been a blues guy in the city of Chicago. He has toured the world uh, probably many times over. And uh, he's a great player. He's a good singer. He's a good songwriter. He's a good entertainer. He's he's all the way around. Uh, Tom has been the uh, guitarist for James Cotton or was the the guitarist for James Cotton for a long time. He's played with a ton of other people like Byther Smith and so forth. Right now he's in Mississippi, uh, Mississippi heat in, in Chicago. Uh, Plus he's doing his own Tom uh, Holland and the shuffle Kings. So uh, we had the opportunity to connect. I've known Tom for a long time. We've had an opportunity to, to connect and talk about the blues, talk about his playing talk about his uh, guitars and his endorsements and what's going on right now in the blues scene with the whole COVID thing and so forth. And so without further ado, here's my guest, the one and only Tom Holland. What's happening, Jimmy? How are you? Tom Holland, how are you, good guy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah? Surviving the storms. Oh, man. (laughs) Do you live in the city? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm up, uh, I'm up. Uh, near Evanston, so I'm like Rogers Park. Yeah, is any of that any of that craziness going on in your neighborhood, neck of the woods? No, I mean it was it got it got like tornado dark, but nothing nothing too terribly bad. No, no, no I'm not talking about the weather's. You know what? We could get a tornado and that'd be okay. I'm talking about oh, yeah. that crazy. You know? Oh yeah, no, no, not at least not not this time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know. The, the last time uh, it got up 
to about Andersonville, you yeah. know, which for me is, you know, like five minute walk. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, last night I think was pretty much all river north. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I thought. And then, wow, it's crazy. Anyway. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I tell you what, it's a, it's a huge change, isn't it? I mean, the oh, yeah. oh, we're yeah. in right now, it's like, uh, you go from working pretty good and, you know, things going on to... Oh, yeah, to virtually nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's got to be tough. You know, I'm I'm getting used to it. <laughs> yeah? What, what, do you, what do you do now? Are you, like, giving lessons? You got playing some local yeah, stuff? Yeah, or... You know, I've, you know, gigs are starting to, you know, slowly trickle back in, you know, but it's mostly all, you know, duo or solo stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. I love Which, this thankfully, art. you know, thankfully I can still, I, I can play by myself. So. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, but like in terms of touring altogether is probably not, not going to be happening for probably another year or so. Yeah. My guess. Yeah. That's what I, I've kind of, that's the consensus so far, you know, that I've heard. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of people are saying, you know, they're they're waiting for a vaccine and but, you know, which is which is all well and good, but, you know, the if the vaccine doesn't take, you know, we're back to square one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ouch. Well, you know what I so, talk I talked to you know Jamie Glazer. Yeah, yeah. I I was talking to him earlier today and he lives in Utah. And okay. There's their state never shut down. And so Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the other thing too is, you know, he I guess he's one of the smart ones, you know, because you know, he's a you know, he reads music, yeah. you know, went to Berkeley and stuff, so he's still doing stuff for television and Gotcha, gotcha. You know, so he doesn't go without work. So that's kind of nice, but sure is pooey on everybody else. So let's I know. So let let's you know what before this all happened, you know, there was yeah. the early days of Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking early days. You know, we're talking little boy, Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. Running around. So how did you get uh-huh. how'd you get interested in the guitar, you know? You know, I had seen Eddie Van Halen on MTV. <laughs> and, I, and I said, that's what I want to do. And, you know, I was maybe 10, 11 years old. And... You know, I was, you know, like every other kid that wanted to play a, an instrument, you know, I pestered my, pestered my parents to get me a guitar. And when they finally relented and did it, I looked at it for a couple of weeks yeah. and, you know, being left-handed, they just bought me a right-handed guitar, uh. you know, cause they didn't know that you know, you had to flip the strings around. Right. And, you know, I didn't know you had to flip the strings around. <laughs> and, you know, so after a couple of weeks of trying to mimic what I saw Eddie Van Halen doing with the bass strings where the treble strings are supposed to be, I went right under the, uh, went under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and then maybe... Maybe about a year or so after that, I was 
I was point. I broke my index finger on my picking hand. Actually, it was, and I broke my index finger playing baseball. So that end that ended any any pipe dreams of being a baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, while I, while it was healing and all that, after you know, after I got the cast, because it was it wasn't that bad of a break where I I had like a splint on it. It wasn't a full cast or anything like that. So I could kind of figure out how to, you know, noodle on the guitar. And by then I had, I had realized that I had to get the strings flipped. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think my folks went to a local music store that they bought the guitar from and told them, he's left-handed, make it left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> make it work. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that pretty much, you know, then I, took lessons for a while and you know growing up my dad had a really big you know he had a he had a very big music collection you know of everything from classical like beethoven type and mozart type stuff to blues and jazz and rock and you know soul music and he was you know he was he liked R&B and blues and jazz the most. So, I mean, that's what I heard mostly at the house. Yeah. And so when I started taking lessons, you know, I realized my fingers were never going to be as fast as Eddie Van Halen said. I, I, I like blues better, better than I did rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seemed to work out for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, and. So did you take any, do you take any formal lessons, you know, when you were younger than that, or are you pretty you know, much all I, self-taught? I, I took lessons for maybe a year or two and, you know, got the basics down and, you know, and the guy that I was taking lessons from, you know, when, right before I stopped taking lessons from him, he was, you know, cause he would, you know, he'd show me a bunch of stuff and then he'd you know, pick out a song and learn the song. Yeah. And then I'd come back the next week, you know, and show them how much I learned and all that. And, and one of the, one of the last lessons, he was like, you really don't need me anymore. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I keep, he's like, I've given you the songs to learn, figuring you're going to come back and say, I couldn't get this part. Or I couldn't get that part. And he was like, you have a very good ear. And you're picking this stuff out, you know, not really knowing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and he's like, so he's like, I don't want to keep taking your money. And wow. he's like, you know, if you have any questions down the road, you know, I'll, you know, I'll answer your questions. Or if you want to take lessons, you know, once in a while, we can do it that way. Yeah. And so that was pretty much, you know. That that was you know that was I think the first inkling of me realizing that oh maybe maybe I maybe I maybe I'm onto something here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so in those early days, those teenage years and stuff, were you in any bands at all or? No, no. Yeah. I was. I lock. I locked myself in my room and you know and just you know played records and tapes and then yeah. CDs. So what kind of guitar were you playing in those days? Um, you know, 
it was a, it was a, I think it was a Squire Strat. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. And and I and I usually always forget that I had the the Squire before you know before you know any real guitars. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and you know, then I got a then I got an Epiphone uh Les Paul and that was that when I that one I took on the road and played it for 15 years, first 15 years of my career. Wow. So how long was it uh Tom, you know, uh before you were you know playing around Chicago cuz I'm going to guess that you probably just started hanging out in the venues. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I you know, I I couldn't get it, you know, in high school, you know, a bunch of friends of mine used to hang out at the checkerboard. Okay. And, you know, they loved hanging out at the checkerboard because that was one of the only places that, you know, as long as you had money to pay for whatever you're drinking, they they didn't ask any questions. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, they they were, they were just happy to have some young kids in there that liked the music. Yeah. And had and and had a bankroll, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, and so you know, I started hanging out down at the checkerboard when I was, you know, sixteen, seventeen years old. Wow. And you know, and I was, you know, I'd never, you know, I, you know, my friends would go down there, and you know, they'd have some drinks or whatever, and I was always just water, or coke, you know. Yeah. I'd never drink, you know, because I was there for the music. Yeah. You know, and, you know, so I, you know, I used to hang out when Magic Slim was playing, I think he had Sundays and Mondays, yeah. you know, and that was, that was before he had moved to Lincoln. Yeah. And so I, you know, I used to hang out there and then after, after high school, um, you know, I just started hanging out there all the time. And after a while, John Primer, you know, was would let me sit in every once in a while. And after about six months of going down there every Sunday and Monday and sitting in, he finally was like, Hey, look, I need a guitar player for this gig on Thursday. Can you do it? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, sure. You know, and I was 18, maybe 19 at the time. Yeah. You know, and then I ended up, you know, the first gig I did with John, you know, I think it was out in the Western suburbs and we had actually, you know, we met, all of us met at the checkerboard and then drove out to the gig and in John's van. And of course this was before, you know, cell phones and GPS and, and, and of course, you know, it's my, you know, it's my first, you know, professional gig ever. And we get lost, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we get lost on the way out there, you know, end up showing up late, you know, and, you know, and I, and I think John, maybe, maybe they shorted him on the pay because he was so late, you know, they let us play, but after, you know, I think we played two sets and after the first set, John, John pulled me to the side and he's like, okay, I'm going to be serious now for a minute. I need to know what drugs you do, how much you drink, and if I need you, will you be there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't drink. I, I, I don't do any drugs. I said, and when you need me, just call me. Yeah. And, and he was shocked. I am, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> no, he was shocked he didn't drink or do drugs. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, no, exactly. 
you know, and so, you know, it, you know, so I ended up playing with John for two and a half, maybe two and a half, maybe three years. Yeah. You know, it was, it was one of those things where, you know, once, you know, once I was in the band, you know, he was, you know, he, he took great pride in taking me under his wing. Yeah. You know, and making sure, you know, that I wasn't drinking and that I wasn't doing any drugs or any of that. Right. You know, but. Yeah, that's crippled but he, some know, of the best. Uh-huh. You know. It, it's funny. It's funny how, uh, you know, uh, you know, having kind of, a, I don't know, a similar uh, trajectory in my own life is, is you, for me, it was, yeah, yeah. For, for me, it was originally hanging out at buddy guys. Cause uh-huh. Ke- Kevin Johnson was in a local band with me down here in bourbon. A, yeah, yeah. you know, and he was playing with buddy, buddy guy at the time. Yeah. And yeah. So, so I would sit in with George Bays and the good old boys, you know, on, oh, yeah, yeah. on Monday nights. And then eventually branching out and, sitting in with buddy scott and the rib tips all the time yep yep you know and oh, the next yeah. thing you know i was playing with lefty diz and then i was playing with little max simmons and it, yeah it, oh yeah how, that's how that works yeah you know and you know and and it's funny because you know a lot of a lot of people you know that you know were around when i first started coming out you know they used to always you know as time started going on and you know you know, a lot of the same guys that came up around the same time with me either stopped playing or just disappeared. Yeah. You know, a lot of people used to, you know, we used to laugh about it, you know, saying that I was the last of the checkerboard generation, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, you know, cause like nowadays, you know, that kind of thing where, you know, you go to the clubs and you sit and watch these old guys and befriend them. And then they, you gain their trust and then they start throwing you gigs. You know, that kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. 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 Or, or them, you know, turning you on to other people to play with. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I, 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 that's an aspect of, of my life that, that I regret because I did that for a period of time yeah. myself and then I just stopped. And yeah, once yeah. you stop and you don't go up to the city and hang out like that because I was in the city almost every night. Yeah, oh yeah. And once you don't do that no more, you're out of sight, out of mind. Yep, I was just going to say, that's, that's the old out of sight, out of mind thing. Right, you know, and and then you got to, you know, try to build your way back in somehow. Exactly, and, it's, and, it's and, almost, and that's usually twice as hard. <laughs> right, it, it, it's exact, exactly that way, yeah. So, so you played with John for a couple of years. I guess you're still playing that that Epiphone Les Paul during those days. Oh yeah, yeah. What yeah. kind of amp were you using? Um, you know, it was if I remember correctly, I think it was like uh, those first generation uh, Hot Rod series. Oh, okay. I think I, I think I had the one with the four tens. Yeah, see, I love that amp. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that amp. That amp's a beast, man. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, and that was, you know, that was, you know, one of the things where, you know, the guys like Primer and Magic Slim and those guys, they all had, you know, they all had super reverbs or twin reverbs. and Yeah. 
you know, but I was like, yeah, I can't afford that. I can afford a deluxe or a DeVille. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went into a guitar center one time and they had two of them. They had yeah. one with the, the 410s and one with 212s. And I had owned yeah. one before and I bought both of them. Oh, yeah. You yeah. You know, because they're, they're just great amps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, the, you know, they were, you know, if you got, you know, and that was the thing, too, was like, I think it was what the, uh, the, the, um, the plug, the, the, the jacks, uh-huh. you know, I think the, the jacks were not that great, but I mean, you change those out and those things would run forever. Yep. Yeah. So you, I think if I remember correctly and, and I could be wrong, but you're a, you're a guitar to amp guy. Am I right? Yes. I mean, you don't yes. use a lot of stop boxes. No, I mean, stuff. up, up until maybe three years ago. Yeah, it was guitar, chord, and amp. Yeah, you know. But now, you know, now, now I've expanded my palette to you know a tremolo pedal and you know maybe a boost. Yeah, but I mean it's still extremely minimalist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know what though the the truth is, uh, what amp are you using now? Uh, I've I've been. Uh, using the quilter amps uh, for okay. the last seven or eight years okay which which was another which was another uh that was that was another eye opener for me because you know i was always a tube guy right and and uh, i'm I, do you know where felix ray is uh-huh. no of him maybe yeah he was one of the first guys in chicago that had one of the quilt the the original quilter amps you know the micro pro stuff, right? And I recorded a record at his place. And the first day of recording, I got to his house. You know, I had my amp, but he's got you know he's got a room full of old vintage everything. So you know, I got there a couple hours early because I was like, I'm going to go through your amps and I'm going to pick out one of those vintage ones. And I walked in and he goes. Before you do that, try this amp. He's like, just try it. And I was just like, and I and I kind of looked at him funny. I was like, okay, usually once I'm I'm not gonna like this. Yeah. He goes, just trust me, just trust me. And you know, he he opens. You know, I think he had the amp in his bathroom in in the studio. You know, he had it all mic'd up in the in the bathroom, and and I open the door and I start laughing. I said, "You, you can't be serious." And he's like, "Oh, I, he's like, I'm very serious." He's like, "Just give it twenty minutes." And I sat there for an hour and a half, and I was like, "This is going on the record." And I used the that quilter for the whole record. Yeah. You know, and then after and then after that, I was like. You know, I got in touch with the guys at Quilter, and I was like, hey, look, I just recorded a record with one of your amps. I'm not asking for anything for free, but I'm on the road with James Cotton, yeah. so I'll be able to get your stuff seen all over all over the place. Yeah. And so they, you know, they were, so they were like, okay, well, we need some beta testers. I'm like, okay, so what does that mean for me? And they're like, we'll send you an amp. You give us your opinion, you know, you tell us what's good and what's bad about it, you know, and, you know, we'll let you play it for a while. And, you know, odds are, you know, you'll just be able to keep it. And so, 
you know, they sent me one of the, the aviators. Okay. And at first they had sent the little eight, the little eight inch, uh, version. Mm-hmm. And, and I was, you know, I, I was halfway happy with it. And then I took it on a gig and I couldn't hear anything. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't, you know, in, you know, cause it was closed back and I'm used to, you know, right. I always had an open back amp. And so I wrote them back after a couple gigs and I was like, here's what I like about it. Here's what I don't like about it. Send me the one, send me the open back one. I said, can I try out one of the open back ones with the two tens? And they, they wrote back and they're like, wow. Whenever we've told anybody to tell us the good and bad, they've sent maybe a five word answer. Yeah. You gave us like a book. <laughs> and I said, well, you, I said, I said, well, you wanted me to give you my honest opinion. So there it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay, we're going to send you this 210 and uh, send us back the eight. And um, we'll, uh, we'll work up some paperwork and just have you be in an, an, an endorsee. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, what does that mean? And they're like, it means you'll be endorsing our product. Okay, so, so does that mean free stuff? If you play your cards right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Musicians like free stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. You know, and you know, and that's you know that was the but that was the first thing I told them. I was like, look, I'm not asking for anything for free. Yeah. But I was really impressed with your amplifier, and I'd like to see about maybe trying one out. Yeah. You know, and as they say, it's been all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually uh, I acquired the uh, Pro Block Two Hundred. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the reason I got it was I saw Mike Zito, and yeah, yeah. Mike Zito, you know, was talking. I just saw him talking about it. He was talking about it, and that he used it as uh, you know as a backup. But yep, he, yep. he he liked it, and so I figured, you know, I think I might just I, so I just bought one just out of the blue. I never played yeah. it or anything like that, and I was shocked. Oh yeah, yeah, I, you I know, was, and yeah. you know, and that was the whole thing with the you know with the with the Micro Pro that Felix had. You know, I couldn't believe that it was solid state. Yeah. I just kept going, "This is not solid." He, there's tubes in here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he's like, "No, man, it's all solid state." He's like. The guys at Quilter have figured it out. Yeah, it, and, it sounds. It does sound tube. If you dial it yeah, in right, yeah. it sounds tube. That's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, and that was the thing too. I was like, you know, when I first got the Aviator, you know, because I, I, when I said, you know, when I they were gonna say, I thought they were gonna send me a Micro Pro, you know, because that's what I told them. I said, hey man, I really like that amp. And so when the aviator showed up, I'm like, this isn't what I wanted. There's no bells and whistles on this. Yeah. And I was just, but then I was like, oh, wait, this is just, le- this this is set up just like a Fender. Because yeah. those micro pros have, you know, 15 knobs and it lights up. And I was just like, <laughs> I think I'm going to like this. And, you know, I I took to the aviator right away because it was, you know, easy to, you know, it, it was very, it was very easy for somebody that never liked a lot of pedals or knobs or any of that. Right. I, I've, I've heard 
that, you know, that there's a number of uh, players in the city now that are, have gravitated, you know, towards. Oh, the yeah. Yeah. And that, oh, yeah. And I, I can, I can understand why I've used, I've used mine out only, a, only a couple of times. Yeah. But I use it for rehearsal relentlessly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, because I can take a small 212 cabinet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In that. And it's like, it doesn't, you know, weigh anything. Yeah. You know, and that was, you know, and that was uh, the thing, you know. So once when I started playing their stuff, you know, when they had, when they came out with that block series, you know, the, yeah. the tone block. and Yeah. You know, I had one of the I had one of the first tone blocks that they put out you know and i think you know i was i was basically the guinea pig you know when something new would come out you know they they'd call me and go hey we got this new thing we want you to try it out let us know what you think that's a good game yeah yeah you know (laughs) so you know i mean it's like i've you know i've pretty much you know outside of like the new block doc stuff where they've got the you know the separate cabinets from the head right type of thing you know i haven't played any of those any of those speaker cabinets but you know i and the only the only head i've never played was i think the uh the highway 101 the original one yeah you know the you know the overdrive the original overdrive 200 i think it was or the overdrive 100 the, the first generation of that one I was actually out in LA doing some shows. And so, you know, I called them before I came out and I was like, Hey, look, I'm going to be in town for a bunch of days. I want to come by the, I want to come by and, you know, say hello. And, you know, that was right before the NAM show where they debuted the frontliner and the overdrive head. And, you know, so I played one of the first overdrives at the, at the factory. And I was just like, it's really nice, but I don't use the over. I'm an extremely clean player, so I really don't have any use for this. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they were like, well, here, try this one then, you know, and then I, then that's when I got the, uh, the first, the first generation tone block. Yeah. I've always been partial to, to clean amps. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, guitar to amp guy personally myself, but, yeah, yeah. but I, I, when it comes to some of the, uh, uh, fender amps that I have, I, I definitely love just plugging in, especially if I want, you know, that, cause where are you going to get that real crystal clear? Oh yeah. Yeah. You, know, you can't, it's hard to get that anywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, but, uh, yeah, but I, I like, I like it for the, the uh i want an amp that's got a, a clean profile so that yeah, it plays yeah. well with pedals you know yep exactly and you know and the quilter stuff i've always found you know once you know once i started you know delving into some pedals and all that i you know they've always you know played extremely well with pedals <laughs> yeah 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 so 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 right now you're using uh a quilter amp you got, a tri- yeah, yeah. you got a tremolo and a boost. What's your what's your tremolo? Um, it's an old. Uh, it's the uh, VHT. I think it's uh, the Mellow Verb. Wow. It's it's uh it's it's got a reverb channel or a reverb part on it, and uh, and then a separate tremolo section as well. Yeah. 
in, in so, your, you know, in your boost. Uh, the boost I've been using the the uh, TC electronic uh, sparks. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, a lot of people use. That. I, you know, I had I had one of those Busta uh, Busta Grandes for a long time, and then I just I just beat it to hell taking yeah. it overseas and on the road and yeah. you know when that when that finally died I was like oh let me try one of these I, I was the mini spark right you know and you know because I was like it's got one knob and, I, and <laughs> I'm like I'm like that's that's what I'm talking about uh, I'm like the simplest the simpler the better <laughs> uh, that's crazy you know what I think everybody wants it to be simple but some of us we just can't we just can't get there. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I did a, uh, I, I had a conversation one time with David Gilmore's uh, guitar tech, mm-hmm. and, and we were talking about you know his rig and that, and you know I I like the the BK Butler the tube driver uh, pedals, and that, yeah. and David Gilmore will will stack those. He'll use three or four of those consistently uh-huh. in a row. But one of the things that I learned that he did was he he used an EQ sometimes in between each okay. row. He'll use a different EQ in between each pedal. Oh wow! It, yeah, so so that he could keep that consistent, you know, kind of clean overdrive. Yeah, you yeah. Know, without muddying it, you know, stacking it like that in the EQ exactly. to keep it consistent. But what I what I what I got out of the the conversation that I really took away from it was was that he was using an an EQ as a boost. Yeah, yeah. And so I started messing around with it myself, and I started using an EQ as a boost. And man, I can't go back because you know, I, and you know, and it's funny you say that because um, I've got I've got an EQ. I just picked one up maybe about a year or so ago, and I had picked it up because uh, one of the guitars that I was playing, um, it was it's this uh, this guy out of I think he's out near uh, Philadelphia, um, Gravel Hill Guitars. Mm-hmm. You know, I had seen I had seen some of his stuff on Facebook somewhere, and we started talking. And he was like, "Well, I can make a lefty," and I was like, "Okay, cool. Let's let's make a lefty." And it had uh, Gemini pickups, and it was they were Gemini gold foil pickups. And Gemini, I think, is out of upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had never, because I had never, you know, I kind of got drawn to the Gravel Hill guitar stuff because I had never had any gold foil pickups, and I've always kind of been intrigued by them. Yeah. So, you know, that all happened, and when I got it, I was like, this thing is so bright. Yeah. You know, and he's like, "Well, you know, you can you can darken a little bit by um, you know lowering the pickups," and and I'm like, "I've lowered them as low as they can go." <laughs> I'm like, "It's still way too bright for me," and he's like, "He's like, well, you know, he's like, um, he's like, well, just let your ears get used to it at first. And I was like, "Man, I don't, I don't want my ears to get used to it. This is supposed to work how I want it right away." Right. You know, and I, so I, I got in touch with the guys at Gemini and I was like, what can I do outside of lowering the pickups to make this a little darker? And they were like, 
well, you can you can send us the pickups, and we'll you know we'll redo the pickups, and you know rewind them so it's a little darker and it's not as bright. <laughs> I was just like, I just got this guitar. I don't want to send. It. I don't want. Right. I don't want to take it apart before I've even gotten used to it yet. And 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 then I was talking to somebody, and they're like, well, why don't you just get a get an EQ pedal? Yeah. And I got an EQ pedal. And, you know, I was able to, you know, finagle the, finagle the EQ pedal to where, you know, it wasn't, you know, harsh and bright like it was, you know, just by itself. Yeah. And, you know, and that was one of the other things, you know, when I got the EQ, I'm like, oh, look at that. There's a, there's a boost on here. I'll be damned. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so, and so I kind of had the same thing. I was like, well, well, now I can't go back. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but. I, I've since gotten used to the sound of that guitar, <laughs> is, is, and you know, is is that though? Is that your main guitar, or are you using? Because uh, I know at one point you were with St. Louis Blues. Yeah, and, yeah. And then I know you know that you've uh, you've got a Delaney. I've got three Delaneys. So, so got, is that you your know, main guitar? Is the Delaney your main? Um, you know, the Delaney is you know the Delaney because he's got. Uh, the first two Delaney's that I had were uh, the Tom Holland Shuffle King model that he's actually, you know, he's he's selling those off of his website, you know. Right. And, you know, so I had, you know, I beat both of those, you know, he, he built me two. And, you know, I beat both of them to death, you know, and then so they were the main guitar for years, yeah. you know. And the third one that I've got from Delaney is uh, one of the Lagrange models with uh, the double cutaway, so it's like a little Les Paul Junior body. Right. And that one, that one, you know, I was like, I've never had a Bigsby, and I've always wanted a Bigsby. Can you do a Bigsby? <laughs> and he's like, Of course I can do a Bigsby. And that threw me down the rabbit hole of Bigsby's. <laughs> yeah. And you know. So, you know, I was, you know, when I got this Gravel Hill Guitars, uh, I think it's the Tailhook model, you know, that one, you know, I I used that. That was that was the main guitar for about a year. And, you know, right as the world went sideways with the pandemic, I was talking to uh, uh, Dave Fry, who's he's a luthier out of little rock and he's his company is fry guitars yeah and we had been talking because you know the shuffle king models with the delaney's are you know basically jazz masters with telly guts and the you know the pickups were charlie christians in the neck and the bridge and so it's like you know that was kind of like my jazz master and then when I started talking with Dave Fry, you know, he was like, well, you know, I do a lot of offsets. And he's like, a lot of my guitars have, you know, like the old Jazzmaster circuitry with, you know, the the separate circuitry for the neck pickup and the circuit, you know, and then a circuit for, you know, the neck pickup and the bridge pickup. And, and, and I was like, you know, I've always wanted one like that. And so he built me, it's like a, it's almost like a Les Paul offset Les Paul body. 
with, you know, Telly or with um, Jazzmaster pickups and, you know, all of the Jazzmaster guts, mm. you know, and so I got, I've, I've had that for maybe a little bit over a month now, a month and a half, okay. you know, almost two months. And so I've been playing it a lot at the house because that's all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So that's going to be your, your go-to when things you know, turn around and give it a try? It's it's quickly turning into the uh, the go to yeah yeah isn't, isn't know, that isn't that funny how how that works you know it's like uh, I know for myself I, even though I got a, a million guitars it feels like I yeah. I've always pretty much been a Fender guy I've always been a Strat yep, guy yep. until about you know maybe about eight years ago ten years ago I got hooked on Tellys and yeah. um, and you know when you got your go to thing whatever it is whether it's an amp or a guitar and then and then something else comes along, and you try something different that you never thought you'd really try or expect, and then bam! Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and I mean, and that, and like that, you know, it's like I was always, you know, you know, playing a Les Paul, you know, or you know, and then I had a three thirty five for a lot of the years when I was playing with Cotton. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that's how that's how I ended up starting to play the St. Blues stuff was the headstock on the three on my 335 snapped oh and i was like okay i need to figure out a guitar that i can take on the road that can get beat up a little bit and still be functional because you know i was always worried doing fly-in dates flying with a 335 that you know it you know i'd get to get to a gig open the case and the neck would be all messed up yeah and so I started talking to the guys at St. Blues, and, you know, and then I, and then I, you know, I bought one of their, I think it was a 61 South model when it first came out. Yeah. And so I got one of those and then I started playing their stuff. And, you know, and then when uh, the guy that uh, I was working with at St. Blues, when he left St. Blues, I had been talking to Mike Delaney I've, I don't remember how we ended up starting to talk, but, you know, he was always like, you know, I can build you whatever you want. So, you know, if you're ever not happy with St. Blues, you know, I'm always around. Right. And, you know, after my guy at St. Blues left, you know, they, they kind of, they kind of, it was kind of one of those things where when he left, I, I kind of, you know, just kind of drifted off. Yeah. And so I called Mike Delaney. I'm like, so how serious were you saying when you said you'd, uh, you'd build me whatever I wanted? Yeah. That's <laughs> and I'm like, and remember, I'm a working musician, so I can't afford something that's, you know, $4,000. <laughs> right. You know, and he's like, he's like, I will, I will build you whatever you want and it will not break the bank. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you very much. And, you know, and that's how, that's how the Shuffle King model came about. You know, because I, you know, I had him build the first one, the, the seafoam green one, and I took it out on the road and with Cotton. And at that time, Cotton was working, still working a lot. Yeah. So, you know, after after a couple months of me having it out on the road, Mike started getting phone calls and emails, people going, "Hey, we saw this guy playing with James Cotton, and he had one of your guitars. We want to know more about it." Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, and so then, you know, 
he apparently had gotten enough interest to where, you know, he called me and he's like, so I have a proposition. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, would you mind if we made uh, the guitar that I built you a signature model? And uh, if we sold it on the website and, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get you a percentage of, you know, you, you'll, right. you'll get a cut of every sale. And I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Right. Cause you know, I'm thinking to myself, nobody's going to want to buy a guitar with my name on it. <laughs> right. 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 You know, and and apparently a bunch of people did, so. That's cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's yeah. always flattering, though, when, you know, like that happens. That's that's kinda, Oh, yeah, That's yeah. kind of cool. Exactly. You know, it's almost like you arrived. So let me ask you this now with, uh, you know, because I, I haven't seen you for some time. In, yeah, yeah. In, you know, understanding, you know, that. James Cotton's not with us anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. What do you What are you doing? I forget about the pandemic. Let's say it wasn't yeah, here. Yeah. What What would you be doing? Are you Are you doing your own thing with the shuffle? Kings? You know, I'm, you doing, I'm doing my own thing. You know, I'm doing my own thing, and I I, I was where you know I've been working with uh, Chicago Wind, which is you know a lot of people have said it's kind of like a a Chicago blues supergroup. You know, it's me, Matthew Scholar on harp, and Dietra Farr was singing, and uh, Felton Cruz was playing bass, and Mark Wilson from Milwaukee was on drums. Yeah, and you know we were we were working a lot. You know, do we had a residency at Blue Chicago? Yeah, you know every every Tuesday, and then you know maybe every other month we'd have a weekend at Blue Chicago, and you know that. You know, we we did a couple of European things, you know, but mostly we were just staying local with that, you know. And it worked out well between, you know, because I was also working with Matthew and in, in his band as well. Yeah. So, you know, so it's like between that, you know, Chicago win, playing with Matthew and then my own stuff, you know, I was, I was working 20, you know, 20, 25 days a month. Yeah, that's good. You know. And, you know, and, you know, maybe about the last year, a lot of the band stuff I was doing was, you know, wasn't band stuff at all. I mean, we'd have maybe a couple band gigs, maybe once every couple months. But most of the band stuff I was doing, or, you know, most of the stuff I was doing was mostly solo or duo stuff. Yeah. You know, and and then right before the pandemic, I got... I signed on to be the uh, full-time guitar player with Mississippi Heat. Oh wow! So, so I think we did two or three gigs before the bottom fell out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, oh, that's a know. good band. Oh yeah, yeah, that's you know. a real good band. You know, so that'll be cool. Yeah, you know, and it and it was funny because, um, you know. Pierre, you know, the band leader, the harp player, yeah. you know, he and I have known each other for, you know, as long as I've been around playing. And, you know, so, you know, we kind of, we kind of laughed about it. It's like, well, it's only taken 20 something years, but uh, you're finally playing with Mississippi Heat. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, you know, I, uh, I have a penchant for being hired by harmonica players. So I figured it was only a matter of time. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? It seems like harmonica players really like that 
that really clean kind of traditional sound. Uh You know what I mean? I've noticed that about them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, I mean, and that's the other thing too. It's like, you know, what a lot of guitar players don't realize that, you know, that play blues, it's like playing behind a harmonica player. is a whole nother thing. Right. (laughs) You know, there's, there's a whole separate discipline with that. Just, you know, playing behind a harp player right you know and you know spending 12 years in james cotton's band pretty much solidified every harmonica player in the world will call me at some point go hey i know you played with cotton so you know how to play behind a harp player i need you for a gig (laughs) yeah (laughs) surprising he didn't uh fill the spot for uh, billy branch you know it was funny you know, when uh, when Carl left Billy's band, when Carl Weathersby left, when he left Billy's band, I was, I was actually, that at that time I was playing with, I think I was playing with Primer. Yeah. And Billy and I actually, I think, had a couple conversations about maybe playing some gigs with him and, you know, but him and John have, you know, had known each other and were friends, you know, for years and years. And, you know, yeah. Billy was Billy, you know, his final decision was, look, I'm not trying to steal you from my friend's band. Yeah. And so I was, you know, I was like, Hey man, I respect that. And he's like, but I may need you somewhere down the line. Right. right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, as long I said, as long as I'm around, if you need me, all you have to do is call. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, there were a bunch of times where, you know, he'd call and say, hey, could you do this? And, you know, I'd be working with Cotton. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've done a number of things with uh, Billy over the years, but it's always, I, I think we've only done, we've only done one thing where we did the entire show together. And it was, yeah. it was actually just me, him and Rockin' Johnny. Okay. We did a thing at Smoke Daddy's, um, and it was the night before the Chicago Blues Festival kicked off. Okay. It's been a number of years back, but it was like some kind of thing, and it was like all the label people were there, and all the press people from overseas were there. and Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? One of those kinds of things. But other than that, we've done, um, we've done shows together, typically yeah, me yeah. opening up for Billy. Yep, that. yep. And Billy would always have to, you know, whenever we would get together, if we were going to do something together, he would be like, "Jimmy, you got to come to my house. Like, I got to dial you in. I got to reel you yeah. in." Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and I'd play, you know, and I think I'm doing it right. He's like, "Oh no, that's not how that goes." Exactly. You know, no, 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 no. You got to listen. Listen. But I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean that 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 niche, that niche that you have. I mean, that's not yeah. my niche. You know no, what I no, mean? Exactly. And I can't I I can't fit that niche. Just like, you know, you wouldn't probably fit my niche. You know what I mean? No, no, you know. And uh and I always thought that was that was kind of a, a, a you know, an odd odd partnership, but you know, we've always Yeah, yeah. I did a few oh, yeah. back in the old old days. I played with uh little Max Simmons. I don't know if you remember yeah, him. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I did a couple of uh, filling gigs. Oh, this is a long time ago with Sugar Blue. Okay, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but other than that, you know what I mean. Harmonica players, you know, usually a lot of the traditional people would get mad at me. I remember getting kicked out of the studio by By the Smith once. <laughs> oh well, that that was just Biter, you yeah, know, because they wanted, you know, 
And well, you know, and it was funny because um, before I started playing with Cotton, you know, I had, you know, after I played with with Primer, I, I you know, I moved over and started playing with Eddie Clearwater. Yeah. And you know, I worked with Eddie for three, three and a half years, and you know, when I when I left Eddie's band, I was, you know. I was fully ready to, I'm going to try my hand at this running my own band thing. I can do it. I've been seeing these. I've been a side man for too long. I need to, I need to run my own band. And then the reality of running my own band slapped me in the face. And I was like, you know what? I don't mind going back and being a side man. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and in between Eddie and Cotton, I ended up working with Bither for about a year. Yeah. And, and it was funny cause, um, you know, so he called me and I was like, sure. Yeah, man. He, he called me. He's like, you come highly recommended from a number of people. I said, okay. He's like, well, you got to come to the house and rehearse first. So, okay. And so I get to his house and, you know, Bicer is fairly well known in, in the blues circles with the musicians as, as kind of a taskmaster. Right. And, you know, and, and I had seen it firsthand. I had seen him firsthand, you know, belittle his band to the point where, you know, they were all one step away from crying on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we get to his house and we get into the basement. I plug into an amp and I turn to him. I said, listen, you can yell at me all you want down here. The first time you yell at me on stage, I don't care where we're at, I'm unplugging my stuff and going home. Yeah. And he just kinda he just kinda sat there and looked at the bass player and with the with the look on his face, like, who does this little white boy think he is? <laughs> and, you know, so we did that first rehearsal and he spent the whole three hours, no, no like this and you know, just yelling and screaming and yeah. we get done he goes he goes Huh? You can really play my stuff. Yeah. You're gonna be good. You stick with me. You're gonna be good. <laughs> and you know, but he never, never once in in all the gigs I did with him, never once did he ever yell at me on stage. Yeah. You know, there were a couple times where he'd turn around and he'd, you know, he he was about to light into me, and then I would just kind of, I just kind of look at him with a side eye, and he'd turn to the bass player and start screaming at him. Or the or the drummer, you know. Yeah. You That's know, crazy. You know, I and granted, you know, I probably would not have, you know, if he yelled at me on stage, I probably wouldn't have liked it, but I wouldn't have left in the middle of the gig either. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. But I don't think he wanted to try that. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard when you're got somebody yelling at you like that and that's what he did with me in the studio and yeah. i was like oh, oh yeah i'm not doing this you know yep yep you know he's like i don't i don't need your 40 dollars that bad you know it's yeah like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, or whatever it was that was a lot yeah oh yeah my god that was years ago yep it's 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 a it's it's a different world though now you know oh, in, very in the much city so. in the city today than it was you know, oh, 10 yeah. years you ago, know. the, the, cause a lot of those great musicians, you know, a lot of them are gone. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, you it's know. like, uh, I'm not in the city 
at all. I don't, I don't come up to this. Unfortunately, I don't come up to the city and hang out and go to the yeah. venues like I used to at all. And so I wonder, is, is there a new generation of blues players, you know, getting opportunities to play places like blue Chicago and Kingston mines and places. You like know, that? there, I mean, there, there's all, you know, there's always, you know, uh, you know, a new generation, you know, yeah. and, you know, like case in point, you know, when I, you know, when I was starting to, you know, when I was starting to make a little dent on the blues scene, when I first started out, you know, Rockin' Johnny was like the king of everything. Yeah. You know, he was, you know, he was working six nights a week and, you know, playing it, you know, playing at every place that would let him set up. And, you know, and then he disappeared. Yeah. You know, and, you know, kind of created a little bit of a legend for himself is, you know, he had everything going right and then he disappeared. <laughs> yeah. And when, when he, you know, when he finally got the nerve up to, you know, to come back out on the scene, you know, he, you know, I was one of the first guys he called, you know, and he was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm. I'm coming back out. I'm I'm go, I'm making another run at him. And you know, and the first thing I told him, I said, "Well, look, the blues world you left ten years ago is completely different." Yeah. You know, I'm like the style of blues that you play. There's only a handful of guys left doing it. Me being one of them. You know, I said, and of the younger guys, I'm the only younger guy still doing it. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, so just be aware that you're coming back into a scene where it's all funk and rock and R&B and, you know, not tail dragger. Right. <laughs> you know? tail and, and, you know, and, you know, and he was like, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I've been hearing it, but he's like, I, he's like I, I've come out to a couple places and yeah, it's definitely changed. You know, and, and, you know, I gave him a couple of little places that I was doing like solo or duo stuff at, you know, and I was like, they're not much, but, you know, it's a start. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it amazed me because he pretty much fell right back into how he was working before, yeah. you know, within, within six months of him reemerging. You know, he was back to working six nights a week. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, you know, all of the, you know, all of the people that used to come see his shows when they were all in their 20s now all had kids and real jobs and, you know, were, as the kids say, they were adulting. Yeah. You know, well, he was able to, you know, wrangle a whole, a whole nother, you know, slew of fans in addition to the ones that would still come out every once in a while, yeah. you know, so, but, you know, like in terms of, you know, like now it's, you know, like I said, there's, you know, for the real traditional, you know, there's not that many of the old guys left, Yeah. you know, you know, but like, you know, guys like Guy King, you know, he's, He's always been one of my favorites. Yeah, he's really good. 
you know, and, you know, and that, that's the thing I always liked about Guy was, you know, he could play that low down Albert King type of blues and stop on a dime and turn around and play a bunch of West Montgomery, (laughs) you know, and it's like, he's, you know, a lot of, a lot of blues guys tend to get pigeonholed into, well, they're, you know, they're a Chicago guy or they're a this, they're a that, you know, guy pretty much runs the gamut of everything. Yeah. You know, just when you think there's something he can't do, he turns around and does it. (laughs) Yeah. He's a, he's a really great player and you know, uh, even amongst players that are, uh, let's just say up the food chain a little bit. Oh yeah. They're all aware of him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There's a lot of them that really like his playing and, uh, you know, I was talking to uh, Tomo, you know, I'm sure you're probably familiar with him. Yeah, yeah. In that, and he's a huge Guy King fan. Yeah, you know. You know? It's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's it's almost like a refreshing breath of fresh air. It's like, this yeah. isn't like what everybody else is doing. Right. And he's putting his own spin on it. Right. Because when Bonamassa came on the scene, everybody that wasn't traditional went towards Bonamassa. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody wanted that, you know, that kind of that kind of vibe in that. Yep. And, oh yeah. And that in and although that's cool and you know, I like Bonamassa a lot. Yeah, know, oh yeah. And stuff. It's still there's you know, there's there's way too many way too many. You know, some of the best albums that I've heard lately, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh uh Steve Gadd it, mm-hmm. You know the stuff that he does with John Landau in that it's yeah, all, oh, yeah. and, and then Tomo's two new albums or, or his last two albums where he's got Kurt Franklin. And, I mean, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. I mean Kurt Fletcher and yeah, oh yeah, and uh, he's got Stanley Jordan playing drums and you know all really clean stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, really you nice know, sweet yeah. stuff yeah. in that. So and, you know, and Kirk and Kirk is another one of those guys yeah. where you know. He can he can play everything you know at the drop of a hat you know yeah yeah I th- I think that's uh, he's 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 an incredible player you know oh really yeah, good, yeah yeah you know yeah but then there's Tom Holland yeah I tell you friggin- he still owes me money <laughs> the friggin' Tom Holland and the Shuffle Kings yeah well I hope this thing turns around quick man so you yeah, can get yeah. back to work full time yeah me too you know. But, uh, and you know, in the meantime, I will stay in in my little in my little basement uh, rehearsal slash uh, home recording setup and tweak everything uh, as much as I can. You know what? It's it's actually in, in some ways, you know, this whole downtime, you know, is is actually kind of a good thing. In- oh, you know, it was. You know, I was I was telling my wife, you know, after a couple weeks of the pandemic you know once once i kind of you know stopped freaking out that i had nothing to do and i wasn't making any money anymore you know i w- i said to her i'm like i haven't played this much guitar yeah since i was a kid yeah you know it's like you know i do all of my stuff around the house that i needed to do and then i'd go play guitar yeah you know, and, and I was talking to somebody else about this too, and I was like, "Well, when all of this stuff disappears and it gets back to halfway normal, 
there's going to be two camps guys that have done nothing but play their instruments the whole you know the whole time there there was no work and they're going to be really good yeah and there's going to be the guys that didn't do anything that fall by the wayside yeah <laughs> yeah you're probably right you know you know, I know oh yeah i know for myself it uh well it it was what led me to to do this podcast cuz i did a radio show years ago uh-huh. And I've always wanted to come back and you know and continue that because I really enjoyed the the three years I did it. But, oh yeah, yeah. So so I came back and just but I I'm like you I, you know I I work from home for three months you know because I have yeah. a corp, I have a corporate job but I yeah, uh, yeah. I I I didn't put it down. That's all I've done. Oh yeah, you know and you know, you know I mean and that was that was one of the things too when you know when everything disappeared, I was, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe now is the time where, you know, the people that have always asked me, why don't I give guitar lessons? Well, maybe it's time to, that's, an, you know, I was like, well, that's an, that's a way to keep some money coming in uh, every week. Yep. yep. You know, so I, you know, I'm doing some guitar, you know, I'm doing like, uh, what is it? Zoom yeah, guitar Zoom. lesson type things, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that was, you know, and that was one of the things too, you know, Right after all this happened, I was like, okay, I've got a little bit of money that I can spend before I have to clamp down on everything. And, you know, I went out and got one of those uh, digital audio workstation bundles. Yeah. You know, because I was like, well, I'm going to sit and take this time to learn how to work all of that stuff. And then if people want me to record on anything, all they have to do is shoot it to me through Dropbox or, you know, email, I load it in and, you know, I can, I can keep money coming in doing, you know, studio work from my basement. (laughs) Hey, have you ever thought about reaching out to the people that do the true fire masterclass? You know, you know, I never did just because, you know, just because one, I never really had any time to, and, you know, and two, I was always, you know, I'm, I've, you know, I don't really know the, you know, you know, outside of the lessons when I first started out. I mean, I'm pretty much all self-taught, right? No, outside of you know the basic stuff. So it's like, you know, the guys that I've been giving guitar lessons to now, you know, the first lesson, I'm like, look, if if you're looking for somebody that's going to tell you why it makes sense that all of this stuff makes sense. I'm not your guy. I can't, I can't tell you that that chord is a, you know, a diminished ninth augmented third, you know, (laughs) I'm like, I can show you where it sounds good on the fretboard. And that's how I would do it, you know, but you know, I I, I can, I can't do it. I can't do it in the King's English, as they say. Right. I'm not one of the learned. <laughs> right. Or, or you could just tell them you can have that, you know, which I can't provide. Or you can have somebody who's toured around the world with uh-huh. some of the greatest blues players teach yeah. you some oh, blues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, and that and that was always, you know, that was the second part. Was always, I was like, look, I can't give you the theory behind it, but I can tell you why Buddy Guy did it like this. Yeah. Or, you know, why uh, Biker Smith would yell at you if you played it like that. <laughs> <laughs> you 
You know, I can I can show you those cool licks that you know that everybody scratches their head at. Yeah. You know. That's really cool. I can't I can't tell you what it is, but you'll know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, man, I I hope this this goes away quick, so you guys, you know, so you can get back to work. Oh yeah. Well, you know, yeah. and that's you know that's that's the other thing too is you know. When anything, you know, when anything drastic happens, you know, music and the arts are always the first ones to get, you know, to get put to the side or yeah. shelled. But, you know, it always comes back. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll, it'll come back pretty strong, you know. Yeah I, yeah. I don't like some of the things that I've heard. I don't know if they're true and that, you know, with when it comes to Live Nation and. You know, yeah, some, yeah you know. some of the things that they plan on doing there and that, you know, like making the artists have their own insurance and yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. I, I hope that that stuff doesn't happen because that'll drastically change the, oh yeah, yeah. you know, the, the and, and it's bad enough as it is. Look at, you know, yeah. my first Rolling Stones concert cost me 12 bucks. Yeah, you know, exactly. last time they were in town, tickets were 1200 Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you sure as hell don't want them to go up anymore. You know? No, no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'd, you'd rather see that money, you know, uh, you lower the prices and put more money in the hands of, you know, the the working musicians on the stage. Exactly, you know? exactly. I don't think Mick Jagger needs any more money. No, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to venture to say that all of the guys in the Rolling Stones probably. Haven't worried about money in a long time. Yeah, I think I think him and Keith are in the top ten wealthiest artists. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you know who surprised me, and this is kind of a little off subject. You know who surprised me to be in that, that list? What's that? No, who's that? Who's that? D- Dave Matthews. Huh? Dave Matthews is either the third or the fourth wealthiest musician behind like Bono and Paul McCartney. Huh? In that, in that, that, that is, that is, you know. Yeah. On the one hand, it's kind of like, well, that just doesn't sound right. But at the at the same time, it's like, well, he's been relentlessly yeah. touring yeah, for yeah. you know thirty years. Yeah, he doesn't come off the road. That's for sure. No, no, you know. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it was uh, it was really good talking to you, Tom. Yes, definitely, definitely. And that, and when you get back out, I'm going to try to come up and, and see Mississippi Heat if you guys are playing in the city. Yeah, yeah. Because I've always liked that band. I've seen them a couple of times. Yeah. And if I could see them with you in it, man. I tell you. I see now, now it's complete. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom. I appreciate cool, you talking Jimmy. to me, buddy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Sounds good, Jimmy. All right. Take care, bud. All right. Thank so you. there you go. Tom Holland. That's right. Tom Holland. That's right. Tom. Did I say Tom Holland? Tom Holland and the Shuffle Kings. Chicago Blues Man. We talk about all kinds of crap, huh? You just never know what we're going to talk about. We had to talk about, you know, who's making money. Well, that's what musicians do sometimes. I want to thank Tom Holland for coming on the show. I want you to go to his website, TomHolland.com. Make sure you look him up on all the social media sites. He'll be looking forward to hearing from you. Next week, my guest is blues guitarist Mark May. That's right. One more week of blues guitar. 
It's Mark May. And then after that, I think it's Joel Hookstra from White Snake and the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So we got some great shows coming up. Uh, you know what? Make sure you're following me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Jimmy Warren. Also go to our website and sign up for our email list. Uh, also, you can uh, support us on a monthly basis or a one-time basis. You know, to help us keep the show on the road. We really appreciate it. You can go to jimmywarrenofficial.com or guitartalkofficial.com. Also, check out my new band, Six Foot Apart. That's sixfoot-apart.com. A lot of great stuff going on. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week right here on Guitar Talk.